Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are continuing our summer preview, our look at the various Giants position units, as well as the Giants upcoming opponents, where we have the hosts of those Locked On podcasts come on the show. Today, we're going to have your boy Q. He's going to help us break down the Las Vegas Raiders. So that's coming up in just a moment. But first, today's show is brought to you in part by Locked On Fantasy Football. Winning your league starts with the right data. And Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you with the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round so that your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, before we get to your boy Q, who is going to break down the Las Vegas Raiders for us, we're going to talk about the Giants quarterback position. And this, of course, is a hot topic. Daniel Jones entering year three of his tenure, and a lot is expected of Daniel Jones, uh, the the uh, front office upgrading the talent around Daniel Jones, adding uh, Kenny Galladay, Garius Tony, Kyle Rudolph, really no excuses for Daniel Jones to flop. But I want to dive a little deeper into Daniel Jones's journey thus far to kind of set things up for um, why I think he hasn't hit the uh, the expectations that come with being the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. And I've got to start with the roster construction, which has always bothered me. Now, I've said this probably before, but it's worth saying again. When you're going to draft a rookie quarterback, you want to make sure you have everything in place for him. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to welcome in a new family member, a new baby, for example, and you you have a room designated for the new baby, but you don't have the furniture or the clothes or the diapers or the crib and, you know, all the things you need in order to make that transition as smooth as possible. So when I look back at what the Giants did with uh, the quarterback situation, the offensive line wasn't in place. They didn't have really, you know, receivers who could go deep and, and play up to Daniel Jones's strength. And it just seemed like the Giants... Um, and, and this kind of stems back a little bit to, you know, the last decade and how they put the roster together. The Giants roster became a patchwork. Instead of really having a plan, it was just, okay, let's swap out this guy and we'll put this guy in and we'll figure out how we're going to blend the seams together later on. And it just really wasn't a good way to build the roster. So the Giants have finally addressed that by making sure now that they have stellar receivers, and that includes, of course, the tight ends with Kyle Rudolph, that they have a running game, that they have an offensive line, which despite the fact a lot of us, including myself, we still have our questions about the offensive line, the Giants feel good about it. And really, at the end of the day, their opinion is what counts the most because there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing, unfortunately, the rest of us can do about it, those of you who are listening. So let's now talk, though, about the scheme. And what was interesting is when Daniel Jones came out of college, if you remember, um, 
in 2018, I that they were trying to find a new head coach that offseason. And I was very much in favor of Pat Shermer at the time. Yes, even knowing now what I what I know. Um, and the reason why I was in favor of him is because of what he had done in Minnesota with the quarterbacks out there, that he had had a system that he was running for years that was very quarterback friendly, that took advantage of the quarterback's strengths. And, you know, say what you want about Pat Shermer as a head coach. And yes, I admit it, he was not a really good head coach. Um, the Giants could have done a lot, a lot better with their, you know, decision there. But what what Shermer did do, I think, is he put a solid offensive system in place for Daniel Jones once the Giants drafted Jones in 2019. And, you know, I think what they were trying to do in retrospect is they were trying to set it up so that when they made the transition from Eli Manning to the new quarterback, which at the time in 2018, they didn't know who that was going to be. But um, once they they knew who they were going to draft, they wanted that transition to be a lot smoother. And, you know, y- you look now back at 2020 with Jason Garrett and I keep going back to something Garrett said this past offseason about how he alluded to how he had to learn about the Giants personnel, who did what really well and who didn't, and, you know, just kind of build the offense or adjust the offense from there. And that's kind of surprising in a way because Garrett, who was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for so many years, they saw the Giants twice a year. So for him to really not have an idea as to what the Giants receivers and personnel did well at the time, kind of surprising. But I I guess, you know, from a scheme standpoint, from a play design standpoint, that's where he had to really get into some of the details and whatnot. But let me give you um, a number that that really kind of stood out to me. And this has to do with Daniel Jones and deep passing. Now, now deep passing has always been a strength of Daniel Jones's. And I was kind of surprised that uh, 2019, Jones attempted 11.8% of his passes of 20 or more yards. And in 2020, that number dropped to 9.6%. That's not a big drop, mind you. And that could also be a result of um, not having a good receiver who could get down the field. I mean, Darius Slayton was the closest thing they had to to a deep threat. And 2019, Slayton had the great year. And then 2020, he was banged up and probably couldn't go um, fly down the field like he used to. But between the, the lack of the deep ball, which again, we also must attribute to the offensive line woes. But between that, um, the lack of play action. And the biggest thing that really irked me was the lack of the pre-motion snap uh, activity. You know, you just you just wonder again, if the Giants were kind of flying by the seat of their pants, because some of that stuff, you know, play action, uh, pre-snap motion, this is all stuff that could have been done, regardless of I think the offensive line and, you know, who was out there. And I don't know if the Giants were just playing it too conservatively because they didn't have an off season and they just didn't want to confuse people. Or I I don't know if that's the case or if there was another reason, but I don't feel that the Giants really helped Daniel Jones in his first two seasons with the team. That's what, that's, you know, the bottom line. And now they have finally addressed all those, you know, question marks 
we will still find out whether or not they're going to have pre-snap motion, whether they're going to do more play action, whether they're going to take more shots down the field. But, um, you know, the bottom line is the coaches talk about playing to a player's strength. And you look at Daniel Jones, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones has been blameless. You know, the turnovers have been a big issue, obviously. Some of the mistakes have been a big issue. The fact that he has held on to the ball longer than he should at times, that has been an issue, um, which falls under the mental processing. But I think overall, when you look at Daniel Jones as he enters his third year, I don't see how he is possibly going to fail. I mean, short of injuries wiping out the the guys on offense, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a big year. I really do. I think this is going to be the year he puts to rest all the questions about whether or not he's a franchise quarterback. And I I just, I don't know. I I get the feeling that that offense is going to take off. So we'll see if I'm right. Obviously, uh, we'll get a better look at the offense in training camp when the guys get out there on the field and we start to see some of the, the new looks that are in place. But overall, folks, I have to say, I'm feeling very bullish about the Giants' offense. I'm feeling very bullish about uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback. The only thing, I guess, that would really concern me is if he makes it through the 17-game season. You know, if he doesn't, you know, they went with Mike Lennon, who, as I've said before, he has a little bit stronger arm than Colt McCoy. Um, what they lose with Mike Lennon is is the mobility and the athleticism. But, um, you know, just the mere fact that they made that upgrade to a quarterback, a backup quarterback with a stronger arm says to me that they're going to do a lot more deep down the field. And of course, you look at the the um, receivers that they added, and it just it just points to a more explosive type of offense that is going to hopefully be a lot more productive than the ones we've seen in the last few years. All right, folks, coming up, we have your boy Q. He is the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, and he's going to help us break down the Las Vegas Raiders, who the Giants will see this season. But first, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs by heading over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. And when you open an account and use our special promo code Locked On you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. And welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giant segment, segments two and three. Patricia Trainer here with you. And as promised, we are going to preview the Las Vegas Raiders and joining me now is the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. He's also the host of the Locked On Bets podcast. He's your boy Q, and here he is. Q, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, I appreciate you having me on the show. Very excited about it. Uh, always love to talk G Man with you, and so it's now it's nice to flip things around and have you talking a little bit of Raiders with me, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and we will, of course, folks, we'll be doing our crossover shows in the fall before. Uh, each game. So that's certainly something to look forward to because right now, you know, it's training camp or training camps are coming up 90 man rosters. They're not set yet, but there are some things we can touch upon. And uh, Q, we've got to start with the change on defense, new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley was brought in. 
What have you learned about him, the type of defense he's going to run, some of the challenges he has, you know, different personnel and and that sort of thing? Well, you know, it's been one of those things where it was needed so badly. The Raiders defense has been so poor for quite a while. You know, Paul Gunther, uh, you know, good defensive coordinator, has a good track record in the in the uh, league, but just. For some reason, the Raiders weren't able to pick it up. I don't know if the the scheme was just too complex, but the players of very young defense just weren't able to pick it up the way they needed to. So they make the change to Gus Bradley, who comes in with that that old Seattle Seahawk type, uh, you know, defense that'll cover three style. And it's funny, Patricia, because you're in the NFC East, and I keep comparing the Raiders and their defense to the Cowboys and their defense, and it's very, very bad and you know the Raiders uh, offense was really good in 2020 but their defense was bad and so I, I kind of look at it as the Cowboys in, in the same sense and you know it's funny they brought in Dan Quinn as their coordinator who came from Seattle as well so the similarities are so much uh, the same there with those two organizations but you know getting back to the Raiders it's just uh, I think he's going to simplify things that's kind of from hearing his different OTAs that's kind of what he's about is making it simple for the team, not uh, the opposing team. The opposing team isn't, isn't going to be so easy to pick up on what they're trying to do, but just make it so the guys can fly around and not have to think so much. That, that's that been the biggest problem with the Raiders. They have a lot of speed on defense, but they couldn't use it because they were always thinking. You can see like guys like Corey Littleton at the linebacker position just took a step to, too long to get involved in what he needed to do. And in the NFL, by that time, you're already you're already out of the play. So uh, it's just I think the biggest key for for Gus Bradley in this defense and this cover three scheme that he's going to try to run is make it as simple as possible so the guys can pick it up and just fly around instead of trying to think about what they need to do, what their next move is. Now, from the outside looking in, one of the big problems on the Raiders defense, I think, was the defensive secondary. Have they solved that problem, do you think? Well, I mean, they're trying. They really are. You know, John Gruden mentioned how much uh, assets they've they've put into that secondary. If it's not draft picks, then it's free agents. I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have been dedicated to the to the secondary, and they just haven't panned out. Now, one guy I'm excited about is uh, the second round pick out of TCU, Trayvon Merrick. I think he's going to be a dude. I mean, and and that's the that's the best way I could describe him. He is just a dude, and and I know from covering him while he was at TCU what he was able to do at the end of the back end of that Horn Frogs defense. And I think that that's what the Raiders need. They need an alpha dog guy, and I don't think that they had one unless in, in the secondary. Jonathan Abram always looked like he could be that part, and and he sounded the part, but he just it, it just he hasn't figured it out yet as a young guy in the league. And so I think that uh, those two guys in the in the back end of the defense are really going to help and uh, allow Jonathan Abram to play in a position that's better suited for him, which is more up in the box, kind of like the Cam Chancellor role back in the Seattle Seahawks days when and Trayvon Merrick will be that uh, that Earl Thomas type guy. So there's a lot of positivity with the defense. One guy in the secondary that I think is going to help out a lot tremendously is Casey Hayward, the free agent that comes over from the Chargers. He's a veteran. He's only there on a one-year deal, but he's been there, done that in Gus Bradley's defense for a very, very long time. So he can help out guys like Trayvon Mullen. He can help guys out like Damon Arnett, who's actually fighting for his job. You know, he's going to have to go out there and compete in training camp for that job. Uh, John Gruden said it best. He said, hey, he, he didn't come here to give away his job. Casey Hayward didn't come here to give away his job, which, you know, you covered the league long enough. Competition is what makes everyone better around them. The competition is going to make everyone really, really good on that defense. I think, you know, they got to go out there and execute it, obviously. But right now it's shaping up to be a very fun, competitive training camp. Now, I was going to ask you about Damon Arnett. He was a guy that, again, I think there was a lot expected of him and he hasn't quite panned out yet. What's What's been the problem? Injuries, maturity? What, what do you see as the biggest thing? 
all of the above, you know, really all of the above. He was picked number 19 overall out of uh, Ohio State. A lot of people were, whoa, Damon Arnett. That wasn't the guy I was expecting. And I was expecting the Raiders to take a DB there. And but Damon Arnett just wasn't on my radar, which I try to tell people all the time, just because he wasn't on my radar doesn't mean he's a bad pick. You know, it just I wasn't thinking about him. So uh, it's so funny because everyone thinks, oh, he must be a, a, a bust or he can't be a good player. Nobody was talking about him. No, it just means we weren't talking about him. That's fine. But I think that he went into his rookie year. He had a wrist injury. Uh, he ended up getting hit with COVID. He's had a couple concussions. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong, not to mention the crazy training camp that we had a year ago. So I think that, you know, all the above really happened with Damon Arnett. And I think that he's got a lot to prove. And I think he has that chip on his shoulder. And I know he has a chip on his shoulder that, that uh, you know, he wants to prove to everyone why he was picked number 19 overall. So I think Casey Hayward helps kind of ease him into this training camp and ease him into this Gus Bradley defense. And the other thing about it is they had Prince of Makamura, who you're very familiar with. They had him in camp last year, and I thought that they were going to let him be the starting DB until Arnett was ready to take over. But coming out of training camp, they were so excited and fired up about him, they let Prince go. And I think that that may have been a, a, a they, they might have rushed the judgment a little too quick. They might have done that, pulled the trigger on that move a little bit. I think he needed a little bit of seasoning and a little bit of, hey, welcome to the NFL before they gave him the starting job. That, I think, was too much for him. But now that he's got to have a real training camp ahead of him, he's got Casey Hayward there to kind of show him the ropes. I think I think you'll see some good things out of Damon Arnett. He's got the dog in him. I know that. He's got the dog in him. Now he's just got to go out there and execute. What's the strength of that Raiders defense right now? I think, honestly, I think it's a defensive line. And that's because all the depth that's been brought in throughout the course of the offseason. You know, of course, Unique Ngakwe, uh, the big free free agent uh, pickup. Uh, and then there's just other guys. You know, Quentin Jefferson's been brought in. A lot of Solomon Thomas, a former first-round draft pick. I, I've been uh, kind of comparing it to what the 49ers did a couple years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. They had so many guys that they could rotate on that defensive line. There was always a fresh guy out there. And a lot of former number one overall picks or, or high picks, first round guys. And so that's what the Raiders have now. They have a lot of depth. Now, with that being said, and you said it at the beginning of this, it's the 90-man roster right now. It's not the 53-man roster. So what does the depth look like when the 53-man roster is constructed? That's my big question. That's probably the biggest question I have going into the regular season from training camp. What's it going to look like? How much real depth do you have from after you cut a lot of guys? Because you got to cut a lot of dudes. Right now, you've got plenty. I want to see how it's constructed when it comes down to 53 men. Q, let's turn to the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line was revamped for the Raiders. Better, worse, the same? What's your take on them? Well, the 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 key is younger, faster, cheaper, but that's just kind of what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be younger and more athletic and uh, so that's that's what I'm going to go ahead and bank on. That's going to be the the thing about it. It's so funny, man. Rodney Hudson, uh, he's been a great center in the uh, the league for years. Trent Brown was looking like a guy that they brought in to be a big time free agent at the right tackle position, but he just never played. You know, he was always injured and couldn't wasn't available. So he, he just. He just wasn't that guy. And then Gabe Jackson, I actually was surprised they held on to him as long as they did. Really good player. Really, really good player that the Raiders have. But I just feel like they got younger, they got cheaper, and they got more athletic. They're ready to to run that that zone-blocking scheme almost to uh, the fullest extent. Tom Cable has proven that he is a really good offensive line coach. And I had questions about him, to be honest with you, when the Raiders hired him. But after a couple years and after being able to see what he was able to do last season with a lot of 
missing parts. You know, you had Richie Incognito out. You had Trent Brown out. You had Gabe Jackson out. You, all these different guys kept going in and out, going in and out. And you know the offensive line, it's got to be cohesive. It's got to be that one unit. And they weren't at all last year, but they still were able to do some good things. So I think the the, the young guys coming in, uh, they, you know, they have uh, Andre James at the center position. I think he's going to be the key. If he could figure it out, and they've been watching him and monitoring him in practice for the last couple of years, undrafted free agent out of UCLA. I think if he can figure things out and kind of be the, the anchor of that offensive line, like we know the center is, then they're going to be just fine. And of course, they they picked up Alex Leatherwood in the draft, the first round draft pick, number 17 overall, right tackle. He's going to be uh, out of Alabama. He's going to be starting at right tackle to, to start his career off. That's what uh, Mike Mayock said. And so we'll see if he holds that down. But if he does, then boy, that, that offensive line could be solidified. But just like I said, the depth on the defensive line is going to be one of the biggest questions. That offensive line and, and, and how it gels is going to be the other big question. And certainly not what you want to have on a football team. You don't want your two pit position players uh, or pit positions, excuse me, to be your biggest question marks. Uh, Speaking of question marks, uh, Nelson Algalore is gone. John Brown is in. Upgrade in your opinion or do you have concerns about that receiver position? You know, I'm I'm, I'm not confused. I'm I have question marks about it. I absolutely do. Um, Nelly, I thought was going to leave and get a big free agent deal, which he did with the Patriots. I thought that that was going to be fine. Like, don't spend too much money on him because he had a career year. That was great. Um, you know, John Brown, I know that he could be that same guy, but the, my biggest concern is he's banged up quite a bit. You know, he's been injured a lot throughout the course of his career. When he's available, really, really good player. Um, Derek Carr seems like he has a good rapport with them already. You know, they're already kind of, uh, you know, not making nicknames up. I mean, he's, he's goes by the nickname smoke, but, um, you know, he's, he's already kind of fired up and excited about him. So I'm thinking that they're, they're already putting in a little bit of work, but we'll really see when training camp rolls. Um, you know, I think the biggest key to that wide receiving core is how do you get more out of Henry Ruggs this year? than you did a year ago, his rookie season. So if John Brown can kind of help open things up, maybe run some fly routes and let let uh, Henry Ruggs kind of eat under, underneath and do some crossing patterns, then 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 you'll see how it comes along. But I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys to the wide receiving room is how does Henry Ruggs develop this year? All right, we got a lot more with your boy Q as we preview the Las Vegas Raiders. But first, if you're looking for a healthy, delicious treat to satisfy your sweet tooth, you've got to check out Built Bar. Available in nut and nut-free varieties, Built Bar has nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited-time offering. Each Built Bar flavor not only tastes good, but it is the perfect way to satisfy your sweet tooth with a high-protein, low-calorie, and low-sugar treat. Visit BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. And with the NFL about to go on hiatus until the start of training camp, you can fill the days of summer with memories from my new book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. Covering every era from the Giants franchise's startup right through the most recently completed decade, the Big 50 New York Giants will give you an inside look at the most memorable names and events that have shaped the Giants franchise, many of the stories as told by the subjects themselves. The Big 50 is available in both paperback and electronic formats and can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever else you find books for sale. Get your copy today. And thank you for your support. All right, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trina here on the Locked on Giants podcast. And our special guest today is your boy Q. He is the host 
of the Locked On Raiders podcast. He is breaking down the Las Vegas Raiders who are on the Giants schedule this year. And let's continue our conversation. When you look at Derek Carr, I mean, he had a pretty good statistical season, but yet there are people who feel that he's just, you know, a make a break year. It's like every year with him, it's make a break. Do you right. agree with that? Or, I mean, what do you think's kind of been holding Derek back a little? You know, it's so funny because that's that's one of the, the hottest topics when it comes to Raider Nation. You want to start an argument, go into a barbershop and yell Derek Carr anything and then see what happens, you know, because you'll have half the half the barbershop yelling that he stinks. The other half of the barbershop will yell that he's, you know, Jesus on on uh, on wheels and everything. I mean, it's just it's incredible uh, how polarizing his name is. And, you know, I, I think the Raider Raider fan base is so hungry and so starving for playoffs and and, and a trip uh, opportunity to go to the, play, the Super Bowl that. Everything that they see go on on around the league is what they want. And I, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think he continues to get better each year under John Gruden. He's gotten better, uh, including the statistical year that he had last season. Um, as far as I'm concerned, really how he develops and, and continues to get a little bit better, uh, ball security in the pocket. Uh, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but he does have a little problem when it comes to ball security when guys start swiping at the ball in the pocket and he'll fumble. Uh, that That can kind of slow him down a little bit, but uh, I, I just think I'm expecting him to take another step this year. But again, it goes back to the offensive line. Is the offensive line going to give him give him the time? Are they going to be that one cohesive unit? He understands the offense, you know, and that's the thing. It takes a while to understand John Gruden's offense. He understands it. He can execute it. He's a really good quarterback. Um, Raider Nation is just ready for him to win and get to the, the, the playoffs so they can say, see, I told you, you know, so I mean, that's just that's just kind of what it is with him. But uh, they're going to go as far as he's he's able to take them. You know, even if they were to go out and get some hot shot rookie, they're not going to be ready like Derek Carr is. I mean, it's it's going to take some development at what time, at what point they decide to either go in another direction, give them a contract extension, one of the two. It's going to happen. But um, you know, either way you look at it, it's going to take a while for anyone to develop under John Gruden's offense. So Derek Carr is the best thing going right now for Raider Nation as far as that quarterback position, and I just think he'll continue to get better. But that offensive line's got to be there to help him. Now we haven't spoken about the running back group, which I think you have a pretty strong running back group. Yes. Would you say that that's probably the strength right now of the offense? Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would, and I'm excited about it. I, I, I kind of start glowing, and it's so funny, man, because I'm a big Josh Jacobs guy. I think that he's a really, really good running back, over a thousand yards the first two seasons in the league. But Kenyon Drake, adding that to it, it's almost like you don't have a guy that's not a starter. You know, you've got a, you got one and one A. I'm so excited about the. The potential of seeing both those guys out there at the same time, seeing Drake line up in the in the slot if need be or go line up wide. I mean, there's so many things I think John Gruden can do with this offense and, uh, you know, uh, have a two headed monster down by the goal line. The red zone offense is something that the Raiders really need to improve on as well. And I just think that Josh Jacobs and Drake, they both like each other a lot. Uh, Jacobs is kind of was pounding the table for Drake when he uh, found out he was going to be a free agent. Uh, I, I just think sky's the limit. And and the other thing about it that excites me is Drake was in that Cliff Kingsbury offense last year in, in Arizona. So I think if the Raiders want to get a little crazy and a little creative, they might even be able to bring Marcus Mariota in at times, you know, maybe a goal line package and all of a sudden have Mariota, his legs, have Drake. Have, I mean, I'm just getting like, whoa, I can do all these different things in my head. And so if I can do that in my head, I'm sure John Gruden can. I just think that it really helps add another dynamic to this offense. You know, speaking of John Gruden, I mean, this is going to be year four for him. Yeah. Ten years, a hundred million, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But he has yet to put forth a winning record. That said, is he on the right track? Do you think that they'll stick with him? I mean, besides the fact that, you know, they've got so much invested in him financially. Right. Uh, I mean, do you stick with him? And if so, for how much longer? 
I, I think honestly, Patricia, that John Gruden stays the Raiders head coach until he doesn't want to be anymore. <laughs> I mean, I just, I really, I think that as long as he wants to be on the sideline, he'll be on the sideline. Uh, Mark Davis loves John Gruden. Uh, John Gruden is a, is a, I mean, he's a, he's a, a face of Raider nation. I mean, he's just kind of one of those guys. And there's a lot of fans in Raider nation like, Oh, John Gruden, you know, old, old coach. Uh, he, he doesn't have it anymore. I think that he's continued to improve since he took over uh, coming back in, in 2018. And uh, no one likes the deconstruction years. No one likes the four and 12 years. No one really wants the eight and eight year either. I mean, you, you know, Jason Garrett's there in, in New York and he was famous for that with the Dallas Cowboys, eight and eight all the time. And uh, we saw how long that lasted for him. But uh, I just think that he continues to improve. I thought last year should have been a year that they made the playoffs. They were six and three at one point, And then they just kind of, um, you know, they ran out of gas and got injured and one thing led to another and they ended up nine and seven. So uh, the improvement was there or eight and eight, I'm sorry, eight and eight. Uh, the improvement was there. They just need to take that next step, you know? And so now that you have 17 games, uh, there's not going to be an eight and eight season. So now you got to take that next step. Uh, you're in a very tough division with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. Uh, the, the expectation should be a wild card. John Gruden has to know that it's got to be getting into the wild card, making the playoffs. Uh, they're in Vegas. You know, the Raiders are in Vegas right now. And the Vegas Golden Knights are, are, are consistently, you know, competing in the playoffs for hockey. And so the city's used to a winner. So the Raiders need to step up and, and, and be a winner as well. So uh, excited about the opportunity that they have this year, but they just got to go get it done on the field. Now, Q, who are some of the names on offense and defense that we haven't talked about? Maybe some of the sleepers, the newcomers that, that really have you and Raiders Nations excited? Um, man, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I mentioned Trayvon Merrick, the, the rookie, the second round pick out TCU that he's got me fired up. I've already kind of penciled him in as a uh, defensive rookie of the year. I've been telling anyone who'll listen to me that I think he's going to be defensive rookie of the year and that's not easy to accomplish, but I, I just think he's going to have that much opportunity at that back end of the defense. So I'm fired up about him. Uh, I'm also in fi- I'm fired up about Nate Hobbs and he was a fifth round draft pick, but the Raiders have had a problem. Uh, covering the slot. That has been an issue that they've had for a long, long time. They put LaMarcus Joyner there. It just didn't work out. Uh, Corey Littleton's been said that he can maybe slide over from the linebacker position, do that, but that hasn't really worked out either. I think Nate Hobbs is going to have an opportunity to cover that slot position and really, really kind of solidify that. Now, I mean, he's a rookie, so it's a a learning curve, but with a real training camp, he might have that opportunity. He's just kind of got that bulldog mentality where he's going to go get it. You know, he's, he's, he don't care what the challenge is. He's going to figure it out. Uh, so he's kind of my sleeper on defense that I'm I'm looking at. As far as offense goes, uh, man, I mean, it goes back to Henry Ruggs. Obviously, Darren Waller is a consistent, consistent. But the guy who I'm really, really intrigued by is Brian Edwards. He was a third round pick out of South Carolina just a year ago. And he's got the he's got the makeup. You know, he's got the body type. He's got the size. He's got vice grips for hands. I mean, he's he's got all that. But he was injured at South Carolina. He was injured uh, quite a bit his rookie year. Injuries are the biggest thing that intrigued me about it. Can, can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, he might be the wide receiver nobody's talking about. He could be very Michael Crabtree-like for Derek Carr, and that was one of Derek Carr's favorite guys was Michael Crabtree when he was a member of the Raiders. I think he could be that guy, but he's got to be able to stay healthy and be on the field. Uh, he, every, every report I've heard is he's healthy right now, so that's great. Training camp, hopefully he stays healthy, and he could be a factor. But uh, everyone who's played against him or with him, either college or, or in, in the pros, has says how good he could be. So the two guys, I guess, to focus in on that I would focus in on that are sleepers are Brian Edwards and Nate Hobbs. All right. And final question for you. Based on what you know about the Giants personnel, and again, 90-man yeah. roster, we don't know what yeah. the final roster is going to look like, but based on what you know, what matchups most intrigue you in this game, Giants-Raiders? 
Ooh, oh, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be Saquon Barkley. It's got to be. I mean, he's, well, man, it's got to be Saquon Barkley, but then Evan Ingram as well, just because the tight end position. And like I said, who's going to cover the tight end? Who's going to cover out the, you know, the slot position? If Nate Hobbs is able to do that, then maybe it's, maybe you eliminate that a little bit. But Saquon Barkley so stinking good coming back from, you know, an ACL. I get it, but he is so good and could do so many things and can hit that home run and, that defensive line is going to have to be solid and make sure that they know where that dude is at all times because, well, you know, he's a home run hitter. And so uh, I would think that the Raiders' uh, defensive line going up against Saquon Barkley, kind of knowing where he is, even a linebacker, you know, like a guy like Corey Littleton, knowing where Saquon Barkley is at all times is going to be key. Um, And then the slot position covering uh, Evan Ingram uh, at that tight end, that's going to be a a big key for me. And then, then I'm trying to think on offense – I really think I, I think it's going to be that offensive line going up against the G-Men's defensive line. You know, I, I really do. I think that that offensive line is going to be probably the biggest question all year. Is it is it solid? And the thing about it is you can't really solidify your offensive line too much in training camp because they're not really hitting each other. You know, what I mean, it's just it's just different. Yeah, you can work on things, but until the bullets are live, you don't really have that that same feel. So. That's going to be very intriguing because if Jacobs and Kenyon Drake can eat as far as running the ball and Derek Carr has a, a few seconds to throw the ball, I think the offense will be in good shape. But that offensive line has got to hold up for them. And, of course, the giant receivers, they upgraded the receivers significantly. Yeah. Kenny Galladay, right. Darius Toney, that's going to be a good test for the Raiders' defensive Ooh. secondary. Tony with that speed especially. And Galladay, I mean, he's yeah, Galladay is a heck of a wide receiver as well. Oh, that was a big free agent pickup. But that speed of Tony, that kind of, it's one of those things. And the Raiders know they play the Chiefs twice a year, and they always go up against Tyreek Hill, you know, and that crazy speed. Everyone's looking for the next Tyreek Hill, right? Well, the Giants, the G-Man got some speed with that with Tony. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that's going to be a really good uh, uh, matchup as well. And that's going to be a big test for the, the Raiders DB, especially guys like Casey Hayward, who's a little bit older in the tooth, you know, and, can they can they hang up? Can they hang with a guy like Galladay? Can they hang with a guy like Tony? You know, Sterling Shepard's coming back. I mean, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of, of things to like for this Giants uh, team. I'm interested to see how Jason Garrett kind of runs that offense too. You know, I mean, I've I've been used to seeing him run the Cowboys offense for so years, so many years. I'm just kind of like, okay, it's pretty pretty vanilla, but pretty easy. But then people say the same thing about John Gruden, and and I know it works. So uh, sometimes you know the newer, fresher isn't always the better. So that, that, those are all going to be some really good. Uh, intriguing matchups for this game. Yes, indeed. And the Raiders, you know, the last time the Giants saw the Raiders, I don't think they were very good. But this <laughs> this time around, I think uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit better game. Two teams that really need to yes. take the next step and, you know, get into the playoffs, especially the I, Giants. I, I think both teams are much more improved. You know, I, I really do. I expect even Daniel Jones, I expect him to take a step in the right direction, with, especially with those extra weapons around him now. Uh, and he can move. He can move his legs, too. So that's something that the Raiders got to be a, a very cautious of as well, because uh, he could take off down the field and, and break it all the way until he decides he wants to fall down <laughs> if he wants to fall down. <laughs> but no, I mean, really, he's 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 got wheels. So that's another element that the Raiders got to pay attention to. I think both teams are very much improved. It should be a fun, fun game. Des- definitely. Can't wait for that game to come up. Q, great stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you, including your new gig. Yeah, uh, you can always find me on Twitter at your boy Q254. And it's so funny because 254 was the area code in Central Texas that I was at. And I was going to change it, but now I'm verified on Twitter, so I can't really change it. So it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's just going to be at your boy Q254. Uh, but now I'm going to be working uh, in Las Vegas uh, with Lotus Broadcasting. Um, I would be the program director. So I'm, I'm covering, I'm kind of running ESPN Las Vegas, uh, uh, Fox Sports. 
Las Vegas, Raider Nation Radio 920, and also um, uh, AM 1230, The Game. So uh, four stations to run. Be doing a radio show on Raider Nation Radio from 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I mean, yeah, you can find me everywhere. But all my work, you can always find on my Twitter account. I always tweet everything out on the daily at your boy Q254. And uh, definitely the Locked On Raiders podcast and Locked On Bets as well. Continue to roll with that. And I love being on with you. And, Pat, you do a great job, too. So I definitely appreciate you. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. Thanks to your boy Q, our boy Q. He does a fantastic job. Check him out on the Locked On Raiders podcast and Locked On Bets podcast. And when you're done with today's show, make sure you head on over and check out Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski has all your sports headlines in under 20 minutes. We will be back on Friday with yet another position group preview and another opponent preview. So until then, Giant fans, have a great rest of your week.